Welcome to the Denker Capital Podcast, where our highly experienced team of in-depth thinkers and other experts share their insights on a range of investment-related topics. In this podcast, we have conversations about developments in South African and global markets and what these may mean for investors. We analyze specific stocks and sectors and explore general themes relating to the fundamental principles that underpin sound investment decisions in an ever-changing world. The Denke Capital Financials team recently met with the management teams of some of the South African banks and insurers. Today is the 9th of November 2022, and in this episode, the team shares the common threads and growth prospects of a number of these companies and highlights the investment opportunities amongst them. Koki, morning. Um, nice to see you. Thanks for spending some time with me this morning. We've got a full squad here, uh, joined also with Barry, Craig and Ben. Let's get straight into things. Um, you guys have been on the road in South Africa in the last week or so. For the benefit of the listeners, listeners in, in terms of, sort of common threads and things you've noticed in the market, the feedback that you've had, but really in terms of um, stocks that you hold in, I mean, in SA, it would be the Net Group Investments Financials Fund. That would be how people would access your capability here. What have you been, you know, what are you really positive about? What have you been adding to? Maybe you could go around the, around the team and, Give us some real feedback. No, no, thanks, Nigel. It was actually quite a, a good week and a half. We managed to see 10 CEOs, CFOs of, of all the major banks and uh, some of the insurers as well. And doing it in such a short space of time was actually quite nice because you really get a, a picture and you ask them the same questions. We weren't concerned about the next quarter's results, but more the strategic direction as to where they are going to go. And what is always nice in South Africa is because over the years we've built up a very good relationship with the CEOs, uh, often we found that an hour had been set aside and after an hour and a half, the CEO said, oh, Sherman, I forgot that our next meeting has been waiting. Yeah, and it shows it was really relaxed, but more strategy. And the guys like talking about that. So if, if you ask what are the key things that struck us? What really struck us in these meetings was, um, firstly, that 23 is going to be a tough year. But most important, that nobody was really concerned that about any risk to the business, even or risk to the economy. And, and in that regard, time and again, everybody commented on the effect that COVID has had in that businesses that were marginal, that were leveraged, that were running low on stocks, were just making it in the end fell over. So the system is, is a lot stronger and businesses have adapted. Everybody's running lower debt, uh, more higher stock levels, operationally cleaner. So I think that is the key that I think the big surprise, 23 and 24, is going to be how well the banks and the insurers are going to come through this with low bad debts in terms of very well provisioned, very cautious in lending. Um, the second thing to me was that the digitalization, uh, the effect of that. They've all spent a lot of money on digitizing um, their businesses, uh, as NetBank called it, end-to-end refreshment. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's the manual systems and the labor-intensive systems have been taken out. Uh, Craig can tell you a bit about the big battle uh, they still have with cash. They're trying to get cash out of the system because cash is very expensive. And then I think um, what differentiated us is the culture of guys like APSA and, and First Rand and obviously Capitec 
very strong on the culture. They're trying to generate in the business that people feel like owners, employees feel like owners. Um, and the last one, and I'll maybe ask each of the analysts quickly to comment on that, is just on the growth strategies, because the growth strategies are, are, are quite different in terms of where they want to take market share. Yeah, I think that's a great place to go, actually, in terms of, in terms of you know, what would interest the listener here. And maybe you could kick off and, and, and go around the team um, yeah. in the various areas uh, and just talk and highlight some of those businesses that have you know, really interesting growth strategies. Yeah. I think uh, let's ask Greg first on, on Standard Bank. Standard Bank always was called the big gorilla because <laughs> yeah. they were the biggest. And they faltered a bit on the, on the technology front, and it was, we had very good meetings there, and obviously they're addressing that. But what differentiates them is, is, is where they want to grow. And maybe Craig can give more insight on that. Yeah, thanks, Cookie. What came out from the meetings is that if you want to focus maybe on the big four firstly is that growth strategies have started to diverge a bit. This has been happening over the years, but um, this divergence from a strategic point of view is, is playing out now. And, and Standard Bank comes to mind, as Corky mentions, where they are very committed to their African growth story. Uh, this is this is a really a diversification strategy, and they believe that they can grow their African operations to 50% of revenues. It will come with challenges. Uh, there's you know there are other concerns in those markets, such as you know the dollar strength and the inflationary. Um, aspects of those economies, but Standard Bank is really committed to driving that strategy, and and they have some great businesses in in Nigeria and Kenya. But there are some concerns in in some markets like Ghana and that. But they, they've taken this through the cycle approach to their capital allocation strategies, and believe that over the course of time, uh, this is the best strategy for them. If you then move on to the likes of Absa, they're following a similar approach to Standard Bank, maybe not as exposed to Africa, but they certainly feel that like Standard Bank do, that Africa will drive the growth. There are better growth opportunities out there. These economies are growing faster than South Africa, who does face some challenges. But ABSA believe that if they, you know, if they remain focused and disciplined, as Hockey alluded to earlier with the separation of Barclays having taken place, that this is really a key uh, engine for growth for them. They do think at the same time there's lots to do in their home market here in South Africa and uh, just touching on culture a bit quickly, you know, ABSA strikes me as a, a sports team that's winning it all the time and is on a real roll because of how high confidence is and, and um, that culture that's kind of permeated through through the staff and the organization is really playing out and, and they're doing some great things. And, and we really like what they're doing there at the moment. It is one of our larger holdings in the Ned Group Fund you alluded to, Nigel. It's um, of the banks. It's actually our second largest exposure after first round. 12% of the fund. First round is 16% of the fund. And, you know, what came through from Alan Pullinger, the CEO there, is that they're very committed to the South African story. They do have the UK growth story as well in, in Aldermore and um, the Motor Nova business that sits under Aldermore in the UK. But having said that, even if, if it were to double, it's still such a small part of the business that it's not really going to move the needle. But they believe that there's some really exciting niche opportunities in that space to grow because, in Alan's own words, they kind of like the elephants in South Africa where they can't really maneuver too quickly, but they're really good at what they do. Whereas in the UK, they're more like, say, the mouse, where they can be a bit more agile and nimble and, and take some market share here and there. Uh, then cheetah, cheetah might be more cheetah appropriate. Cheetah might be more appropriate. Thanks, Wookie. <laughs> and then there's Nedbank. Nedbank, um, you know, has faced some challenges over the years with its uh, Nigerian or, or 
Western African exposure and Ecobank or ETI, as some people might note. It is exposed to some very cyclical markets there and uh, they are fully committed and it is slightly different to the likes of Standard Bank and ABSA where it's it's kind of a focused investment uh, where they don't have much influence on the, the strategy despite two board seats. But they believe that that's turned the corner and there's some exciting prospects ahead for them. And then maybe just touching outside the top four, Investec, which we also have quite high exposure to, it's close to 10% now in the, in the Ned Group Fund. Given their specialist nature, they're finding some really exciting niche opportunities through their trade financing arrange, uh, relationships and arrangements across the continent. Um, but again, you know, the word focus and discipline comes up. These management teams are very committed in terms of how they go about capital allocation decisions and determining growth strategies. And then Capite Current uh, South Africa, you know, similar to first round South Africa focused, but really playing in a different market, uh, trying to attack incumbents in the banking space and in the insurance space now. You know, we're watching them, you know, very closely at the moment and excited about what they're doing. So, you know, that's how I'd run through them from a growth point of view. Nigel, maybe important to point out also for listeners, obviously these holdings are in the SA equity funds as well. And in fact, all the all the Denker funds reflect the views of, of the team. So yeah, I sure. mean, that's important. So sure. when we like APSA for, let's say, the net group fund, which we manage, the Denker uh, funds will add that as well. And, and that's why I think important for Barry, the, the insurance stock that we've been adding to has actually been uh, the old momentum, momentum, metropolitan MMR period. Yeah, sure, Cookie. Thanks. So I think to follow on some of your, your opening comments on culture and, and focus, I think momentum has, has certainly over the last few years since the current management took over, changed their focus from being internally focused and fixing a number of internal issues within the business to now sort of having sorted that out and being outward focused, looking at market share again, looking at where they can grow and looking at how they can, to quote one of Poppy's favorite phrases, be on the front foot. I think some of our key takeaways from the meeting is that firstly, uh, for the sector in general, but for the business specifically, higher interest rates and a, and a steeper yield curve is good for the business. And as you can imagine, over the years, the businesses have been under a bit of pressure from lower rates. So it's a nice relief to have that. Secondly, it's a highly cash generative business. So it's a stable business and the yield on the, on the dividends is 7.5%. So there you, you have quite a nice uh, sort of support to, to, to your investment given that yield. Sure. And I think from, from a growth perspective, one of, the, one of the highlights I took away was the optionality that you have in India. I think it's, it's slightly different to what we've seen in their peers in, in, in the local market in that they've partnered with a very strong health insurance partner in India called Aditya Birla. So that business has been growing exceptionally fast into a very underpenetrated, very big market in India. And just to give you a sense, they target over the next couple of years 40% growth in premiums per year. They've recently got a third partner join, the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, who injected a, a bunch of capital into the business, which has... A, reduces the, the capital strain that Momentum has to now or would have had to put into the business to continue to grow. And secondly, the other interesting takeaway there is that they valued the business in, in the JV in India at three times what Momentum is currently holding it on their books at. So a lot of upside there over the long term, provided they can execute, and we think they will. I think the last 
point I'd make is that another exciting part of momentum is guard risk. That is a the non-life business part of one of the non-life businesses within the group, which is slowly taking on more underwriting risk into a very attractive underwriting environment. So we think there there's there's a lot of opportunity for growth and success. And again, management has a very measured approach to these things to grow well and to grow profitably. And then again, lastly, to finish off, we think the shares are extremely uh, attractively valued. I mentioned the dividend yield earlier, but to give you another sense, the shares are trading at around 17 Rand today, and the uh, embedded value of the shares are 29 Rand 70, uh, and that's as per management's calculations. Um, and I think there's, there's, there's still a lot of way to go to close that discount. Maybe an important point is that both globally and, and South Africa, one of our key focuses is always to find undiscovered gems, you know, to find those companies that can outgrow the market for 10 years. Generally, I mean, the stocks we mentioned tend to be driven by the cycle, and the cycle at the moment is in favor of financial, so you could almost buy the whole, you know, all of them. But every now and then you come across a Capitec, and we think one of them could be Outsurance, okay. uh, which few investors are aware of. It's actually now listed under RMI, and that name will change. We met with Alan Horstman as well. We've been adding slowly uh, when they did that funding, with Barry, maybe two sentences on, on, on Outsurance. Yeah, I think the, the investment case has become a little bit cleaner from RMI's perspective, where they've unbundled discovery and momentum the number of the asset managers they're in the process of selling. And now you're essentially left with insurance as the business listed under the tick RMI. I think that will actually change as well in, in due course. Um, and as an underwriter, insurance is exceptionally good. So they earn uh, underwriting margins of sort of 10 to 20%, whereas you get Suntum who's typically targeting 5 to 10%. What is uh, What makes insurance unique is that they have got – a bit of uh, offshore operations. They've grown very well in Australia, New Zealand. We expect them to move to a new market soon. We don't know where, but the, the management is, as Hockey likes to say, constantly looking for ways to grow and, and, and again, to do it prudently. I think it's a it's an extremely well-run business, very good underwriting margins. And I think, uh, you know, as Hockey said, we have it in the portfolio. We are looking to add. Um, I think it, it, it is something unique given the, the corporate restructuring that has happened there as well. Okay, great. Ben, I might just turn to you because, I mean, you, you look after the global companies within the portfolio and, and I know you did go on the trip last week. So uh, how, do, how do you feel when you look at the South African management teams and the way these businesses are run here locally versus the global players? How do you see them positioned? How, how well are they doing compared to their, their compatriots overseas? Um, I think one of the interesting aspects is firstly often we as South Africans are quite negative about South Africa in many aspects. But when you meet these management teams, you realize on that basis, they can sit in Europe with the US and you wouldn't think they're out of place. I mean, they come across very well. The businesses are run very well. They've really caught up from where my understanding was with the technology, as Cookie mentioned, with the digitalization. So that's going exceptionally well there. And the banks seem to be well run. Obviously, with the higher inflation, they've got higher ROEs than, the you say, the European banks. But, yeah, I mean, that's nature of the beast where they currently trade. Um, I think the other huge difference or bias we all have is, as I say, when you sit in Africa, we think, even me, who looks at the financial sector in Europe, we think the African banks with load shedding and the riots, they must be almost falling over with bad debts. 
And we talked to them, there's very little pain. I mean, relatively, they're still very well provided. It's the regulation as well. And it's very similar when you sit in Europe and people think about Russia and the oil prices and European banks be falling over. And then when you meet them, they're also they're very well provided. They see very little risks in that regard. So I think, yeah, I mean, as with any country and any citizen sitting in that country, we're often very negative about the things closest to us, where you take a step back and look from further afield. I think you can often see there's, it's a lot different than you actually think when you, yeah, you actually realize there's a lot of positives that come through. So yeah, I was overall quite impressed. And yeah, I mean, we hold the Europeans, obviously, in the Global Financial Fund. And yeah, just due to a lot of different reasons, we don't have any South African exposure in there. But sitting at that meeting, you can often you see why not. You know, some of these banks should probably deserve a spot there. Or they could at the current valuation. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Ben. I think that's that's interesting um, take on on everything. And uh, you know, Cookie, we've spoken, or you guys have spoken this sort of regulatory component for a while now. Um, and over the last you know decade since two thousand eight, etc. You know, it sounds like the regulator and these organizations have learned and, yeah. and uh, yeah. they're well positioned. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a lot of the managements when we asked them about bad debts and the high inflation environment all started back in 2008. Yeah. We've got to first understand what happened in the global financial crisis and what the regulator has done since then. Although I see the European banks are starting to fight with the regulator saying, you guys are just overdoing it now. Yeah. But they have protected the system uh, and I think that's why globally we're going to see be very positively surprised on the low bad debts because the banks are being forced to be more risk averse. One thing not to be uh, ignored: we're going into a global recession, most likely. We don't know how deep, we don't know, but it will be a recession. But the positive first time is that the banking and insurance system is strong and healthy. So you're not going to have as a recession deepens the banks not being able to lend as we had in 2008. And I think that will ensure that the recession won't be too deep because your financial system is strong and healthy. Yeah. I think that brings us nicely to a point where, you know, we're approaching the end of the year. And it's always the case, it's always nice to ask you guys what um, what you feel will, feel is the outlook going forward. So, Koki, maybe start, start with you and you can give us sort of an overview. I mean, as, as you've highlighted, the work you've been doing in the last week or two, the meetings you've had have been South African focused. And, and thank you to you and the team for giving us some feedback there. Um, investors can access that capability through the Net Group um, Investments Financials Fund, or as you say, there's a there's a, obviously a, a financials, a local financials waiting in the Denka local equity funds. Going forward into next year, you mentioned it's going to be a challenging year. But where the valuation is right now, where the PDs are, yeah. where the funders, these funds are positioned, yeah. what do you see? Yeah. I mean, everybody agrees it will be a tough year globally. Not maybe so much in countries like India and Indonesia that have come through COVID quite well and uh, have also been quite early India specific and raising interest rates and where the growth rates are strong. Country like Georgia. So those are three countries who are holding Global Financial Fund, which have actually helped the fund a lot in this last quarter. And then if you look at the U.S., growth continues, although it's slowing down. But I think the key is just the valuations. And then, sorry, the point, my banking background, I keep forgetting 
the contribution of the PNC sector in the fund, which is more than 20%. And their Barry score has come through very nicely in the last quarter. Those of you who have watched the fund will have seen that this quarter to date, uh, you know, it's sticking up. And it's mainly the PNC shares that have reported very good results and the European banks. So, you know, it's very well positioned, that momentum to continue. So, although it's going to be a tough year, we're actually very excited about the fund from the valuations where they are and the earnings momentum uh, of the holdings. Guys, I think we'll leave it there. I really appreciate um, your, your time this morning um, and throughout the course of the year. Um, and uh, for anybody listening, uh, we will um, have the team out on the road next year. Um, fairly early on in the year um, in the various centres. So uh, keep an eye out for that one. But guys, thanks. Best of luck closing out the year. Um, Enjoy your summer holidays. And we'll see you back in January time. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Marshall. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you found it interesting. If you would like to join us again, please subscribe for more investment insights. To find out more about our team and the funds we offer, please visit our website at denkercapital.com. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent those of Denker Capital. This podcast does not take the circumstances of a particular person or entity into account and is not advice in relation to an investment. Please do not rely on any information without appropriate advice from an independent financial advisor. The value of investments may go down as well as up, and past performance is not a guide to future performance. Denker Capital is an authorized financial services provider in South Africa. Please visit denkercapital.com forward slash disclaimers for the full disclaimer relating to the fund mentioned in this episode.